Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. weeks ago, I did an Instagram poll about a few different topics I was considering for a podcast episode. And the prompting 101 topic is what won. I had a lot of messages and DMs when I shared that poll specifically about the prompting topic that that was such a needed discussion to have because prompts are so often misunderstood. And I completely agree. I think prompts get a bad rap in the special ed world because we are all worried about our kids becoming prompt dependent, rightly so. That's something we're going to talk about in this episode, prompt fading. But first, I want to break it down for one minute and talk about what prompts actually are. Prompts are a teaching tool. Prompts are something we add to a situation to increase the likelihood of a correct response. We use prompts ourselves all the time. If I travel to a city to do a live PD before COVID, I use visual prompts and verbal prompts when I put the Starbucks location in my iPhone and it tells me how to get to Starbucks. I use prompts when I go to a workout class and I don't know how to do an exercise. I watch the modeling that the teacher is doing, the instructor is doing. I use the written prompts when I'm putting together an Ikea shelf that for some reason has 362 pieces. I follow the pictures, I follow the words, and I complete the activity. That helps me be successful putting together that shelf. I could not put together that shelf without those visual and written prompts. 
Knowing how and when to utilize prompts is just as important as fading those prompts out. We don't want our learners to be overly reliant on a prompt, just like we ourselves don't want to be overly reliant on a prompt. When I'm in my hometown, I do not need to use my Maps app on my iPhone to get to Starbucks. I go to Starbucks all the time. I know where it is. That's a behavior I engage in frequently. When we engage in behaviors frequently, we want to reduce the level of prompts that are needed so we can be independent without that. If I'm still needing that Maps app a year later to go to Starbucks, there's something going on. I need to start fading those prompts. I've become overly reliant on that, and we want to start to utilize those skills on our own. So it's important to think about when you're approaching teaching a new skill or helping a student be successful, what types of prompts are we using to help this child achieve this skill? Also, how are we going to remove the prompts? Both are equally as important because if you don't have a plan for fading prompts, it's less likely to happen. The idea of just hoping or thinking things will naturally fade away is not generally effective. We need to have a plan for how we'll be removing prompts as much as we want to plan for how we're using them. It's also important to differentiate between prompts and teaching cues. So there's teaching cues that are the signal to our learner that they need to engage in a specific response. So if you have a categorizing activity out on the table and you say, "Um, hey, Johnny, what category does an apple go in? You asking that question is the teaching cue. That signals to Johnny that he should say the name of a category and the name of the category that an apple goes in. He should say food, right? So that signals what type of behavior we want to see. That's not a prompt. If we were to say, hmm, an apple's really similar to a banana and a banana is a type of food, that would be a prompt. If we were to point to the picture of the food category, that would be a prompt. That's helping Johnny be more successful in the moment selecting the food category. When a teacher says, okay, class, it's time to line up for recess, that is the cue. That is the cue that's signaling the class that they should stand up and get in line for recess, right? She's showing them that that is the expectation in that moment. If the teacher has to say, point to Johnny and then point to the door, that is a prompt. If the teacher has to give an additional verbal reminder of, hey, Johnny, go ahead and line up, that's now a prompt. If the teacher has to take Johnny's hand and walk him over to the line, that is a prompt. But that initial, hey, guys, time to line up, that's the cue that everyone should engage in that behavior because how else would they know that it's time for recess if there aren't bells going off or anything like that? So let's first talk about the different types of prompts that can be used, and then let's talk about three ways to fade prompts. Because as I said, just as important as using prompts is the way that we're going to fade it. So first, let's talk about the different types of prompts. So you've maybe heard about prompts talked about from most to least or least to most. We'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about ways to fade prompts. When people say least to most or most to least, they mean the type of prompt that's being used. So the most invasive prompts are the ones that are going to provide the most help. That doesn't mean that's necessarily what we want to start with. Not all kids will need the most invasive prompt, 
but it also isn't bad either. Some kids will need to start with a more intrusive, invasive prompt, more helpful prompt, however you want to phrase it. It's providing the most amount of help. And then if you move down that hierarchy, you're moving towards prompts that provide the least amount of help. So let's start with those more invasive prompts. And we'll talk kind of a little bit about the order because there's sometimes a little bit of a debate. So first off, the most invasive type of prompt is going to be a full physical prompt, meaning you are physically moving your student's hands to complete the response. So what you want to think about with the full physical prompt is when it's appropriate and if you have student permission to do that. Keep in mind, with a full physical and a partial physical prompt, you are touching another person. You're touching their hand, their elbow, their shoulder. You want to make sure that they're comfortable with that. These types of prompts, a full physical prompt or a partial physical prompt, would be helpful when you're showing a behavior for the first time. I recently needed a full physical prompt because my daughter and I were making friendship bracelets with these little elastic bands and I could not figure it out. I had to have her physically show me with her fingers over my fingers. So a way you can make sure you have student permission is asking them, hey, can I show you how to do this by holding your hand? Can I show you how, can I help you zipper the zipper by moving your hand up and down? And then making sure that their body language is not signaling that that's not comfortable for them. If they are engaging in an aversive reaction to that, that is not the appropriate prompt type in that moment. A partial physical prompt is still touching the student, but instead of kind of completing the activity, like moving their fingers over the zipper and then moving it to unzipper a backpack or a coat, instead you're maybe moving their hand over to the correct spot. You're maybe moving their shoulder or their elbow to move their arm to where it goes to kind of give that kind of initiation of that task. And again, the same thing here. You want to make sure that it's appropriate and you want to make sure that it's okay with the student. And even if a student doesn't have the verbal skills to say yes and no, you're still going to ask. You're still going to say what you're doing. Like, hey, I'm going to move your elbow um, to a point, get your hand started um, in opening this milk carton. And if, if a student is engaging in negative responses to that, we're going to back off, right? I don't know if you've ever been to a hot yoga class. It's very sweaty, Right. And there was one class that I loved in particular when I used to go because the teacher at the start of the class would have, when everyone's kind of heads were down, said, if you do not want to be touched, if you do not want physical prompts during the class, raise your hand. And yeah, I was the one that raised my hands. I don't want anyone touching me when I'm sweaty. Like that is not comfortable for me. And when I'm focused on something and someone touches me and it surprises me, I don't like that. So I like that she gave the opportunity for people to say, no, I don't want a physical prompt during this class. That made me feel more comfortable during that class. I mean, not comfortable. It's hot yoga. You're not comfortable, but you know what I mean. Okay. So the next type of prompt that we're going to talk about are verbal prompts. So there's a little bit of a debate on where verbal prompts fall in the prompt hierarchy. We're going to keep it kind of higher in the more intrusive section of the prompt hierarchy because an adult has to be involved here. An adult is kind of saying the right answer. There are two types of verbal prompts. There are direct verbal prompts that, like I said, give that exact answer. Like if you hold out a flashcard with the letter F and the student doesn't answer, you say, this is F. And then the student replies with F. So that was a direct verbal prompt. An indirect verbal prompt gives a hint without giving the full response. This is a great type of prompt. I love an indirect verbal prompts. Teachers love indirect verbal prompts. You probably use them way more than you realize. 
For example, if you're teaching a student how to water plants after your student fills up the watering can, you would say, hmm, where should we go next? And so you're kind of cueing that like, hey, there's somewhere to go. You tell me where to go next, right? So you're giving that hint. Verbal prompts are really helpful and can be really supportive in helping students complete the response. But again, we don't want them to get too reliant on us. We want to be able to remove ourselves from that situation. Next, we have modeling. Modeling is one of my favorite types of prompts. I feel like this is very underutilized because to me, modeling is a visual prompt that requires no lamination, no printing, no ink, no Velcro. And you can do it any time of the day and for any behavior. Show your students what you want them to do. If you want them to get out of their chair, push in their seat and stand in line, then you get out of your chair, push in your seat and stand in line. For our kids that struggle with receptive language processing, which a lot of our kids do, this is so key. When the teacher says, get up out of your chair, push in your seats and stand in line, some kids may not have the processing speed yet to process all that language. But if the teacher were to stand up herself, push in her chair and stand up, they can use those visuals to help be successful following that chain of directions. So modeling is a great one. Next are gestural prompts. So this means giving some type of gesture or movement that shows what the student should do. This can be pointing, nodding, making eye contact, looking at a specific item, right? Giving those teacher eyes of like, you make eye contact with Johnny and then you make eye contact with the pencil and you're like, come on, Johnny, pick up the pencil. That is a gestural prompt. Again, another great one that can be really subtle. If you're in an inclusion setting, this is a great one that can help your kids be successful without really interrupting the class or the flow. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And then last are visual prompts. And I put visual prompts as the least intrusive because visual prompts can be used without an adult. That's the beauty of it. You can use a visual prompt by yourself. You do not need the teacher to be there, the para, the clinician. You can use it all by yourself. And you and I use visual prompts all the time. If you ever have gone to a hotel and there's some type of Keurig type system, there's always a little picture schedule on there that shows you how to make coffee. I'm using a lot of coffee examples today. Speaking of kind of, I'm in this mode of talking about traveling. At the airports or at malls, those Dyson hand dryers where you have to put your hands all the way down and in and pull them up, there's a visual on there. Visual prompts are something we can utilize on our own to solve a problem. The options are endless when it comes to the type of visual prompt because it's not just a clip art image. A visual can be a real photo, 
This is so successful and helpful to use real photos as a visual prompt. You can use Google images. You can use clip art images. You can use text and written words. That is such a great way to cue someone into what to do and in what order by writing things out if they are a reader. For any behavior we are teaching, the goal is independence. Well, what does independence really mean? Independence means that students are responding to the naturally occurring cues to engage in that behavior. They don't need help from us. So if someone new walks into a room, that's the cue that you should say hi. It signals, right? Like we talked about before. It signals that you should say hi. So when someone new walks into the room, Johnny on his own says, hi, that would be independence. If someone new walks into the room and the teacher has to say, oh, Johnny, look, Miss Sarah's here. What do you say? That will be a prompt. They're not yet independent. The goal is our kids are responding to those naturally occurring cues. The get up, it's time for recess. The what category does the apple go in? The new person coming in the room. They're responding to those cues on their own without any help. That's why prompt fading is so important. Prompt fading leads to independence. When I talk about prompt fading, I always share the quote, your job is to lose your job. That makes people very nervous. You're not really losing your job. Don't worry. But if you approach every interaction with your students with the perspective and mindset of how do I lose my job in this situation? How do I get myself out of here? How do I make it so I don't have to point to the flush after the student goes to the bathroom? How do I make it so I don't have to tell Johnny he needs to get his pencils? How do I make it to not have to help Sarah put her binders in the right spot? Because the more I remove myself, the more independent that child is going to be. You're always going to find a new job because guess what? There's always going to be new skills to teach. That's the great part. But if you approach each situation by how do I remove myself, you're going to have a lot of success with your kids becoming very independent. Let's talk about three ways to fade prompts. The first prompt fading method is using least to most prompting. So we talked about that prompt hierarchy. With using, with starting out with the least intrusive prompts, this strategy will be naturally fading because you're always going to go to that least intrusive prompt. You're not going to start out with a verbal prompt or a partial physical. You're going to start with something less restrictive. So if you tell your small group, okay, everyone get out your materials for small group time and Johnny doesn't get his materials out, you might at first start by showing a picture of the materials he needs. If he still doesn't get his materials out, you might then model by getting out your materials and maybe having a gestural prompt of making eye contact and pointing to your materials. If he still doesn't respond, maybe then you use an indirect verbal prompt of, hey, Johnny, what's missing on your desk? If he still doesn't respond, then you might put his hand on his backpack to be like, hey, get out your binder. So you're going to kind of naturally go through that hierarchy of prompts. And like I said, when this is self-fading, since you're always starting with the less intrusive, ideally Johnny's going to need less and less prompting to be effective. And you're always going to start with what is providing the least amount of help. The next prompt fading strategy is using most to least prompts. Again, this strategy will naturally fade out those prompts because you're going to do the reverse now. 
You're going to start with the most intrusive prompts and systematically, this is planned out, have a criteria for moving kind of down that prompt hierarchy and providing less and less intrusive prompts. So let's take the same example of getting materials out for small groups. So right when Johnny sits down, you're going to say, hey, Johnny, get out your notebook. And you're going to do that for X amount of days. And the reason that we start with that most intrusive prompt is because we're going to make sure that Johnny doesn't make mistakes, right? He doesn't get distracted and do something else. And he's contacting reinforcement. So let's say you have a token system. So Johnny gets his first token right away. You're like, hey, Johnny, get out your notebook. He gets out his notebook and you're like, yep, awesome. You're ready for class. Here's your token. He's like, great. This is awesome. Yes, you helped him quite a bit accomplishing that, but he contacted reinforcement. So he's starting to get that buy-in. And then you want to set a criteria for changing prompts. So maybe my criteria is after three days of Johnny being successful, we're going to move to the next prompting level. So after three days with that verbal prompt, then I'm going to move to an indirect verbal prompt. So I'm going to say, hey, Johnny, what's the time to get out? And he's going to get out his binder. We're going to give him a token. Life's awesome. Then we're going to have three days of modeling where I'm going to kind of maybe incorporate that gestural prompt too. I'm going to point to my materials that are out and me setting up my materials for class. He's going to get that token. Awesome. Now we're going to move towards a visual prompt. So I'm going to have that picture right there when he's sitting at his desk that says, get out your materials. When he sits down, he sees that. When he gets out his materials, he gets a token. Great. After a few days of him being successful with that, I'm going to remove that visual. And hopefully, since we faded prompts so slowly and gradually, he'll be successful getting out his materials on his own and get that reinforcer. Another great way to use this strategy is to even fade the magnitude within each prompt type. So within that visual prompt, you could really play with how you use that visual prompt. Maybe at the start, when the visual prompt's there, you are holding the picture of the materials and pointing to it, right? So it's a really clear cue of what you want Johnny to do. And it's right, you know, when he sits down. And then after a few days, you're pointing to it, but it's a little bit farther away. And then after a few days, it's on the table and you just kind of gesture to it. And then after a few days, it's on the table farther away and you don't gesture to it. And then on the, after a few days, it's just on the table farther away. So you can even play with how you're fading the prompts within each prompt category. The last prompt fading technique I'm going to talk about is a time delay. Time delay can be really helpful because it inserts a set amount of time between that natural or teaching cue and our prompt. When you start out, you're going to provide the prompt right away. So this is kind of like errorless teaching, meaning you're not giving the student the chance to make a mistake. So let's keep with this same example of Johnny and his material. So Johnny sits down for small group, and before he has a chance to do anything, you physically help him get out all of his materials, right? You like maybe put his hand on his backpack or you open up his backpack and say, Johnny, get out your materials. So you provide the prompt on whatever's going to help him accomplish that task immediately, right? He has no chance at first to do it on his own because we want him to contact reinforcement and see how it's done. This is helpful for some kids that can get in those incorrect routines. They did it in a in the incorrect way the first, second, or third time, and now they're kind of just stuck in that routine of doing it that way, right? Every time I check my schedule, I first go look at what's going on, on the computer, and then I go check my schedule because that's my routine. So if you have kids like that, this is a helpful technique. So Johnny, right when he for the first when you're starting time delay. 
right away you help him. There's a zero second time delay is what it's called. So you're not going to give him the chance to do it on his own. You're going to help him right away. Then similar to most to least, we're going to systematically. So there's a plan. We're going to fade and add in a little pause. So we're going to start out by adding a two second pause. Johnny sits down and we wait two seconds to see if Johnny takes things out of his backpack on his own. If he does, great. If he does it without your prompt, you give a mega reinforcer. It's not just a token. It's like five tokens or it's the actual item. If he doesn't do it within two seconds, then you help him. If once you're successful with that, then you change the time delay to four seconds or six seconds and eight seconds. Ideally, you don't even have to wait to the six or eight or 10 seconds because they're in the habit of doing that response that they're doing it right away. Time delay, I think, works really helpful for verbal behavior skills. If we're looking at answering questions or anything that requires some type of verbal response, the key to making this successful is that the reinforcement for that unprompted response, that if they do it in that time period, is like I said, it's the mega reinforcer. It's really great. This is also a great technique to teach your team because I think so often we forget about wait time right? We're just like always on to the next, on to the next. And this is a great way to incorporate wait time in a very planned approach. All right. So that's the basics of prompting. We covered a lot. We talked about the different types of prompts, what a prompt is, the difference between a prompt and a cue, and then most important, how do we fade prompts? I really encourage you to teach your teams about this, to work with parents and do some parent coaching because When we think about it, whatever role we play in our students' lives, whether we are a clinician, a para, a parent, um, an administrator, the goal is likely independence in some way, whatever independence looks like for that child. And prompt fading is going to be how you accomplish that. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, 
everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.